Hello and welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, Ken's Fives Podcast on the San Antonio Spurs and NBA basketball. I'm Jackson Floyd. That's Evan Klosky. What up? Tom Petrini. How's it going, guys? Guys, we watched uh, History in the Making last night. Pretty amazing to see uh, a barrier broken uh, as Becky Hammond um, becomes the first woman to uh, take on the head coaching role for an NBA team. Uh, following Craig Popovich's ejection in the second quarter. Uh, this felt like, you know, it was a, a sure thing to happen at some point in time this season, right, guys? Yeah, and they they asked her after the game, um, you know, when did you know? When, when did you know that you were officially going to be taking the clipboard? And uh, she said, Pop officially pointed at me and said, you got him. Uh, so very pop, obviously, said there was no conversation uh, earlier in the season about what would happen in the event that uncharacteristically Greg Popovich would wind up ejected from a game. Who could see that coming? Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Nice guy, Greg Popovich, this season, right? Nice guy. It was, it was one of those where, you know, Keldon was driving, not getting calls. DeMar was driving, not getting calls. And he said something to the ref, and he got teed up, and then he said something else to the ref after that and uh, took, took a hike. How many times does Popovich go for the double, the double technical at once? Oh, he like he has to lead the NBA all-time in double technical ejections. It's very intentional, too. Like that's his like, trademark move. Like You always have to have your move, like your brand. That's his brand. And all the wins. That's his brand. I'm not too familiar with uh, the Popovich genealogy, but he's got to have a little bit, a little Boston in him, right? That's a that's a total Boston move to the oh oh you want you want to go there you want to do that to me kind of thing. So it, it was very like you know he was just done with it and was like yeah you guys have fun, but also like the officiating did seem to turn after that. You know the the Spurs got some makeup calls in the in the second half there, and you know. Uh, if not for shooting themselves in the foot a couple times and, you know, having to deal with LeBron and AD and Dennis Schroeder and Wesley Matthews, they, they could have pulled it out. But, I mean, back to Becky, when she was talking about it after the game, she was like, you know, I, was, I just stepped in and didn't even really think about that history part. It was just, you know, <clears throat> how do we put the guys in a position to win? How do we you know, give them some, some motivation and, you know, win this game. And, you know, she wanted to win. She's a competitor. Um, you know, she's, she's obviously history-making, but as Coach Pop has said, as everybody around her has said, she's not there because she's a woman. She's there because she's an incredible basketball mind, a wonderful coach and motivator. These guys listen to her, respect her, and, um, you know, as, as DeJounte said last night, she could be a wonderful head coach in the NBA if that's what she wants to do. Yeah, and here is sort of my gut reaction right as it was all happening, was the fact, you know, for us here in San Antonio, we're so used to Becky. Um, you know, she's been a trailblazer for, you know, half a decade now, longer than that. And when she got the the acting head coaching gig whatever you you know however you want to put it it just seemed normal uh, like we've kind of been down this road with Becky 
tons of times. Uh, you know, last year we sort of got off on this foot before, like it was technically Tim Duncan and, and Tim, Timmy got the game in Charlotte when pop couldn't make it. And um, I just, overall, I thought it was actually um, like, it started gaining steam. The story started gaining steam towards the end of the game. I think that's when people said, okay, let's make this the, the final narrative of the contest. But during the game, it just, I don't know, it just seemed like Becky assumed the role and we all were like locked in on the game and just kind of, you know, seeing how this was going to play out. And then once the, the result was kind of finalized, we started drinking it in. But I think that just goes to prove where we are with at least, you know, her acceptance and, and the overall acceptance of females in that position is that we can normalize it. And I think that's where we always want to, that's where we want to be right at the end of all this stuff is that when uh, a woman does assume that role and, and eventually does get the head coaching gig one day. And we all believe that Becky is going to be the first ever head coach, not just acting head coach, but she will earn a job down the road. It could be in San Antonio. It could be somewhere else, but uh, we want to, we want to not think twice. We don't want to make it a story every single time. So I think that's the amazing thing that Becky has done. The, the, and, and what the Spurs organization has done was giving her the chance proving that a woman can be successful in that role, work her way up and, you know, grind it out just like everybody else has done in their careers. And now you see a, a litany of females uh, on different staffs getting their shot and Becky just stepping up into that role, leading the team and running her sets as LeBron James put it was just not only a great night for her, but a great night for the league and a great night for sports because not just in the NBA, but we have never seen it in the NFL. We've never seen it in the MLB. We've never seen it in the NHL. We just don't see pro sports. And, you know, Becky also said after the game that she doesn't like to think of the big picture because it can be overwhelming. And when you, you do take a step back, you understand the, the magnitude of the moment. But when you just think about Becky and what she's done and what she's earned over her time, I think it's just such an unbelievable feat that she gets to step into that role and nobody bats an eye and they just, they trust her. You know, we all know what she can do. And that's the dream right there. You know, she's, she's paving that path. I think the yeah. reason that it wasn't a, a bigger like thing to me, at least in, in the early going was cause it didn't register for me. It was like, okay, you know, pop's gone, Becky's coaching now. And then, it, yeah. you know, <clears throat> it took somebody else saying it for me to be like, oh yeah, Becky's coaching now. That's a, no, a huge that's historic that's, thing. That exactly my reaction. Right. And that yeah. I think is the beauty of it all that right. I think is going to get lost in all this because we're all, you know, we're making it a story and it should be, but like that initial reaction where we were just like, all right, pop's gone, Becky's in. And we all just started going back into the game. Like that is it because last year, the summer league teams, it was never like that. It was like, Whoa, Becky's in. Whoa. But we've already done the like, Whoa, Becky is doing this. We're so over that, that we were like, okay, Becky's in. And that's like, we're getting there. Like that, that is progress. That is absolute progress. And, and from the way Becky talks about this stuff, you know, she wants to be respected and thought of as a coach, you know, not just, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> a woman doing this job. She wants to do this job well, and she wants to, to be among the best at it. So, um, 
you know, just just really, really wonderful to see and hopefully more big things coming. But one of the interesting things she said was that she and Pop each get a squad in practice and coach against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to know what their head-to-head is. I want, I want to know who's winning those matchups. <laughs> They'll tell you they don't keep track, but someone there is keeping track, right? Someone's got a, a yeah. little tally card. And I do, I do want to also mention that I still don't think this 1,000% guarantees that Becky's going to always be the, the acting head coach. You know, I could see Will Hardy being the next guy. You know, it could have been one of those things where it was Becky's game. Like we learned last year that, you know, all the coaches get a game and whoever, you know, scouted that game would be the acting head coach. So, you know, Will Hardy, uh, Mitch Johnson, like I just, you know, I'm not ready to say that Becky's always going to get it, but she certainly is, uh, I think, in, in our eyes and in Pop's eyes, number one on the bench for her, for, for the team. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I know that she played down the fanfare, uh, that Pop did make a big deal of it. But as we know, mentioned, you know, it, it appropriately got the recognition it did uh, nationally uh, on, the sta- on a national stage. Uh, I, I, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris was one of the among those who tweeted uh, congratulations to her and actually echoed um, her victory speech she gave um, just a few weeks ago, uh, saying that Becky may be the first, but she knows she certainly won't be the last. Uh, so, I mean, National accolades, uh, deservedly so, coming in for Becky Hammond uh, on, on what would be otherwise a, a forgettable night for the Spurs um, mm-hmm. uh, against the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, a game that, uh, from, this, from the jump, from halfway through the first quarter, the, Lake, uh, the Spurs found themselves in a hole. Uh, the final score last night, 121-107. Uh, of course, a career day for uh, DeJounte Murray, though, who I think is really blossoming uh, through these first four games here. Uh, just going through his box score last night, um, he had 29 points, a career high for him, seven rebounds, seven assists, added a steal. Do you guys like what you're seeing from DeJounte uh, so far this season? So DeJounte this season, I think what's impressed me the most is his decision-making, which is something that he said going into the season he wanted to work on, and he's been working with Coach Becky Hammond on. Um, you know, he said after the game they're very close, and, um, you know, she, she texts him on holidays, asks about his daughter, and, you know, he loves her to death. And he watches the little things she does with communication. Um, but in the game on the floor, he's a leader, right? And on both ends of the floor, he's directing traffic. He's putting guys in the right spots. He's running pick and roll. He's hitting guys where they need to be. He's getting to his shot at all three levels. Um, and the there, there was one game where he had six turnovers and um, – It'll happen when you're handling the ball that much. You're going to have games like that. Um, but for the most part, he's been very efficient this year, um, scoring the ball, assisting, and not turning it over. Um, he's looked impressive. He's looked like the the competitor that we know he is, but the the competition has never been the problem. It's the decision-making and the turnovers and, you know, can he shoot? He's shooting 33% from three, averaging 19 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, uh, and four turnovers a game. So still needs to clean up the turnovers a little bit. Um, But he's shooting 55% from the floor. He's creating contact. He's creating opportunities for other guys. Uh, And, yeah, he's, he's still that dude on defense. So... Um, you know, 
19, 7, and 7, if he can maintain anything close to that for the rest of the year, I think you got to call that a, a huge win for DeRozan and the Spurs, or, or DeJounte and the Spurs, rather. Yeah, and, and you got to remember, he's taking um, more pressure right now because Derek White's not playing. So he's stepping up into a larger role. And he was always, we saw in the bubble, he was going to have an expanded role anyway. Uh, I would argue that, you know, like, the game against the Lakers, he went 12 of 19, like shooting 19 shots. When Derek White comes back, I don't, I don't think he's going to put up 19. Like I think 12 is probably what we can expect from DeJounte. Uh, but regardless, outside of the Pelicans game, three of four have been really, really nice, including the, his first ever triple-double against the Raptors. And even in that game, the triple-double game, that was probably his, out of the four, his second-to-worst game. So the, the, the best thing about that triple-double that night was that DeJounte didn't even play his best game, and he still put up a triple-double. You know, and then you have a night where I thought he was spectacular, and he didn't. So, like, DeJounte is not going to be perfect. You mentioned the turnovers. I, I still think occasionally he runs in transition, doesn't necessarily know what he's going to do with the ball until he gets close to the rim, and – ends up getting off his feet or, or turning the ball over. And that, you know, that still seems like a bugaboo area for him. But having said that, he's certainly turning out the production that I think the front office and Pop were boasting about two years ago before his uh, ACL injury. That's why this year is such a big year, because obviously he was injured. And then coming off the ACL injury, usually it takes about a year to feel like yourself again. Uh, so... We're, we're seeing exactly what the hype was all about uh, from a couple of years ago. And you have to be excited with what DeJounte is doing, especially early in this season. As far as the Lakers game is concerned, when you look at all the statistics, there wasn't anything that really stood out. I mean, in fact, the, the Spurs were on the positive end of scoring points in turnovers, what it really came down to was a, and something we talked about uh, leaving the preseason was transition defense. It is still not good. Um, and that's something that I know pop will continue to hammer home. Um, you know, they're, they're practicing, uh, they're practicing on new year's Eve. So I, I know that at least they're not, they're not taking a day off in that sense. Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think the number one thing this team needs to work out the Kings on is transition defense. I think they gave up too many easy buckets to the Lakers there. But on top of that, the Lakers just made a ton of shots. And when the Lakers are making uh, – where they go from three? They went uh, 14 to 26. When they're making 14 three-pointers, they are going to be an extremely hard team to beat. Becky Hammond said after the game, you're going to have to take a risk somewhere against this team. We wanted them to shoot threes. And when you let Wesley Matthews take six of them and he makes six of them, you just, you just crap out of luck. Like, you know, when Wesley, when Wesley Matthews goes six of six from deep, when he was 0 of eight the previous three games, you just tip your cap. I mean, Dennis Schroeder put up 21. Like, you know, overall, you got 46 from, from Anthony Davis and LeBron James. If you told me that before the night, sign me up. Like, that's what you want to do. It just – look, the, the Lakers are a wagon. So – uh, I would take that effort from the Spurs last night, 10 times out of 10. Keldon didn't have a great game. I think they forced the ball into the, the paint, which is what they want to do, like too much dribbling into the paint. 
They tried to enforce their will, get a free throw. I think they wanted to be more aggressive because the Pelicans game, they were definitely lethargic. The only problem is the Lakers were completely crowding the paint. They wanted them to shoot three-pointers. And um, I think they only shot, yeah, 24, which was a season low, the lowest being 25. So I, I just think that when we get to the next game with the Lakers, uh, they probably need to test them from deep a little more. And, and I know that that's a, sometimes a bit of a dicey place to play for the Spurs, but at least, you know, try it from, from out there. And if you can get some, some shots falling, then you can go attack the paint a little bit more and, and try to be more aggressive. I just think they overdid it a little bit and uh, put up some shots that, that weren't necessarily their best. Can I can I tell you guys one of my big concerns for this team through four games in terms of shot profile? I'm looking I'm looking through you know the attempts and percentages for everybody. Uh, Patty Mills leading the team at uh, nearly fifty eight percent from the floor. That's interesting and a testament. To His true shooting percentage too is seventy seven percent or something like that. It's off the charts. He's been ridiculously efficient this year from all areas of the floor, not just three. Um, but do you guys have any guesses who the team's leader in terms of three-point shots attempted per game is? Well, Jackson... Rudy Gay. There, there you go. Jackson, it's Rudy <laughs> Gay at six per game, and he's shooting 25%. So He took seven last night. So and obvi- and Lamarcus Aldridge has shot eighteen percent on almost four attempts per game. So obviously those two guys need to uh, shoot a higher clip, uh, and Rudy probably sh- needs to shoot a little less. Uh, and the young guys and Demar need to shoot a little more. Um, so Spurs are still figuring things out with shot profile, and and that's that's gonna. You know, as as they make their way through the season, that's going to be something that they they figure out. But I mean, as of right now, they've got seven guys averaging over twelve points. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, Demar's at twenty-one. Dejounte is at nineteen. Lonnie at fourteen. Patty at fourteen. Keldon at twelve. Lamarcus at twelve. Rudy at twelve. So, if LaMarcus and Rudy can step up their efficiency. That'll be, that'll be really good to see. There are very real concerns about their defense, especially on the perimeter, though. If we're taking a big picture here, look at the last four games, though. Uh, I, I think the Spurs are fine. You know, I, I, they're, they're a team that has scored, what, 113 points a game, and they're a team that's allowed 113 points a game. Um, that that's that that's something they'll improve on. They're they're going to have better offensive nights than they have with the Pelicans, and they're going to have better defensive nights than they had. Um, you know, last night of course was an aberration because of like you know, Wesley Matthews five for five from three, uh, Dennis Schroeder three for five for three. You know, things like that are going to happen. Um, but this team is fine. They're they're young and aggressive. Uh, I appreciate the attack we've seen out of the young guys all of these guys can get to the rim, right? Lonnie Walker had a, several moves last night where you just pick your jaw off the floor and you say, I don't know how he did that, how he penetrated between Gasol and Davis to get to the rim up there. And, and, and Murray is the same way. Johnson is a raging bull out there um, attacking oh. the rim. He, he's been so fun to watch. And I think, honestly, the surprise of the season, last night was his 21st NBA game. 
Mm-hmm. He's already started four games, 21 games into his, his career. Uh, it's amazing to see, see that from him. Uh, and then Devin Vassell is, has proven himself to, to be a, a, an incredible defender in the league already out the bat um, in, in limited minutes uh, against you know, the second unit. But he's got the ability to, to, to be an elite defender in the league, and, and he's finding his shot. Uh, in fact, I think this team is so fine that I'm going to admit last night, five minutes left in the fourth quarter, I went ahead and turned the game off. I turned on Wonder Woman 1984 and just sat back and thought, you know what? We're fine. It's all good. I'm enjoying this. The, the losses haven't concerned me, right? There's, there hasn't been any moment in either of these two losses where I'm like, ooh, this is a glaring issue and I'm concerned about the long-term prospects for this team. Because second game of back-to-back, you get a comeback win against the Raptors in San Antonio. Hop a jet, go to New Orleans, play against a good New Orleans team less than 24 hours later. You do a good job of holding. I mean, Brandon Ingram had 28 or 29, but did not shoot super efficiently. Uh, Zion, I think they blocked him seven times. He did not shoot efficiently. Um, and, and they played great defense. Uh, they got a lot of great open shots. And I think they shot 11 of 36 from three um, and got a lot of like they weren't forcing anything either. They were getting a lot of open and wide open looks. So they're playing well um, on offense, at least. Um, The execution needs to be a little sharper. Uh, Some guys need to hit shots. I don't know. I, I think if. Trey Lyles gets back in the rotation. Uh, you know, that'll help their interior defense and help, uh, you know, the, the floor spacing a little bit. But, you know, he's been pretty much MIA for the entire start of the season except for coming in and hitting 1-3. Um, but, yeah. you know, he, he's, again, a guy who hasn't played a competitive game hadn't played a competitive game since March because he missed the bubble with the appendix. So, um, you know, he looks like he's still getting his legs under him. LaMarcus Aldridge still looks like he's getting his legs under him. Um, And I think the Spurs really missed Aldridge in that game against uh, the Lakers because they had DeMar DeRozan guarding uh, Marcus all in the post. He did a fantastic job. Gasol finished with, I think, two buckets and two assists. Um, but they had DeMar doing that so that Yak could stay on AD and Keldon, who had just guarded uh, Siakam and Zion, they had him on LeBron. Um, if maybe you bump Lonnie to the bench, DeMar the two, and have two bigs to go against the Lakers. And so, like, I don't hate that. Gasol matchup for LaMarcus Aldridge. Aldridge isn't washed. Like, his shots aren't falling right now. His defense doesn't look good. But he's completely changed his game to fit with these young guys. He deserves credit for that alone. Shots aren't falling. I don't even care about that. Dude's not posting up. LaMarcus Aldridge is no longer posting up. And he is setting good screens and getting his in the flow of the offense some of those catch-and-shoot, pick-and-pop looks are going to start falling from 18 feet or 22. So I'm not concerned really about LaMarcus Aldridge's offense. 
I think that's going to be fine. All the people that are like, oh, you're getting four points from your starting center. We, you know, trade him for a bar, but whatever. It's, he'll, he'll figure that part out. The part that concerns me is the defense. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought up the LaMarcus Aldridge thing because that's a very important topic right now for every Spurs fan out there. Uh, we know that LaMarcus is kind of being, for lack of a better word, crapped on for, for quite some time now. But you mentioned it. Um, the three is not falling for him, but he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. This is an all-star caliber offensive player. Those shots are going to be falling. We had a large enough sample size last year of him shooting three-pointers that over a large clip, they're going to fall down. Now, he started shooting those three-pointers in the mid you know, during midseason. So he was in midseason form. So I don't know if he just needs to get his legs underneath him, which is my assumption, because I feel like he's always been a slow starter anyway. Um, but those shots are going to fall. And when those shots fall, the, the offense just gets that much better. And as you, know, you mentioned or alluded to, you know, those, those pick and pops are wide open for him. And, and teams might be, might be laying off him a little bit right now because they're not falling. But the one thing I can't have LaMarcus doing is losing his confidence because now it seems like, you know, you saw it in the Memphis game. The three wasn't falling. So then he went inside the arc, started getting that mid-range going, and then he got hot. And then he started feeling himself. And that's fine. When you're hot, just start, you know, put them up when they're good looks. But he, he kind of – he puts up the three, says in his head, like, okay, am I feeling it? Am I not feeling it? And then he kind of, like – he's like, okay, now I got to go inside the arc to get my, myself together. And that's troublesome sometimes because then will he go back out to the arc if he doesn't make a mid-range jumper? Is he going to just keep putting up mid-range jumpers? I just think that LaMarcus has to believe in himself a little bit, even though I'm, I'm sure he'll tell us otherwise, that he's confident in that. Just – I agree, but I think if he pops to 18 feet or 22 feet, he can still provide the requisite spacing for the young guys without slowing the offense down, right? Like the, oh, the, no, biggest, no, no. That's totally- the biggest problem for me isn't that he shoots mid-range. I, I don't hate that he shoots mid-range. I just would prefer if he stepped out that extra feet to get that extra point. But like, you know, well, that, and it's my point, really. like you're just you're just one or two steps away most of the time for LaMarcus. You know, that was always a DeMar thing, too. Like DeMar has shot tons of long range twos in his life. Just take a step back, bro. And um, speaking of DeMar's and, and, threes, can we talk about that for a second? Because forty four percent on over two attempts per game so far this season. Is that real? Now, here's the cautionary tale and something that I did on Ken's Five, by the way, which is why you got to watch TV coverage because you get some extended stuff there. Um, when you look at DeMar's career in Toronto, uh, five of his nine years, he shot more than 103 pointers. And then towards the end of his tenure, he was shooting up 200 plus. So when DeMar says, like, I hate it when people say I can't shoot threes, I've always shot threes, I've just chosen not to shoot threes, he is correct in the sense of his attempts. He has shot threes in the past. He has done that. But when you look at his percentage from three, I think his career best is like 33%, 35%. I mean, like, I think 33%, if I'm remembering off the top of my head. He's not a very good three-point shooter historically. So as much as I'm very optimistic on LaMarcus because we had a larger sample size and he can make those three-pointers and they're not going down right now, I think LaMarcus is going to – 
you know, regress to the mean in a positive way. I think DeMar will regress to the mean in a negative way because he's never been this good of a three-point shooter. And maybe things are clicking. Maybe he's not forcing as many as what he had to do with the Raptors where he had to generate more offense. That stuff can all, can all play. I'm all cool with him shooting three-pointers. I'm just saying I'm not buying – like he's not going to be a four, obviously 44% is too high, but I'm not buying 38% even until he proves it to me first. They just, you know, I'm not like, even if, even I'm if he's just, 35% I'm, though on two attempts per game, that yeah, opens I, I, up so much for him. Like, you know, he catches yeah, no, at the arc and the defense doesn't automatically just say, okay, he's, he's not going to shoot that. You know, the, the fact yeah. that the defense can't just write that off makes him it like like that's that's a it seems like a small thing but when you add, add that to what DeMar DeRozan does so well in between and at the, the rim and yam on people like it opens up so much so if if he can if he, he's never shot uh more than one three per game in San Antonio obviously um if if he can if he can do that if he can keep it around two attempts per game at a respectable clip even if it's league average 35 percent i'm i'm stoked about that i'll just say i i mean he's probably falling somewhere in between his performances with the raptors and the pelicans right the raptors he shoots three for four pelicans he comes out and goes over four from three so i mean if he wants to play right in between those uh, you know keep shooting you know a handful of threes a game that that's great for him that's good for his game and by the way, so the Raptors, he had three three-pointers. Uh, that was the first time in a Spurs uniform he hit three three-pointers in regulation. He did it once last year against the Kings in overtime. But um, so that was a, a new benchmark for him. And obviously, touching that Raptors game, uh, his last three-pointer closed the gap from four to three. And then obviously that LaMarcus Aldridge bucket down in the paint, just working his tail off to get that that basket but um just something i didn't want to <clears throat> something i forgot to mention on aldridge uh people say hey trade lamarcus we don't need him all right you just saw why you do need him against the lakers all right yak comes in yak still loves to get into foul trouble he's been pretty good the first few games in that reserve role gets into a starting role bam foul trouble in the first half fell into old habits uh so what happens drew eubanks comes in now eubanks did, you know, I thought very well, but he, you know, he still is a serviceable big in that third role. Like he's the depth guy, right? He's going to come in. He's going to be serviceable. He's not going to tank your team. He's not going to, you know, make, make things exponentially better either. Uh, the defense still a little suspect. I think he was like a minus 10 against the Lakers um, with, with some, some highlight moments. So uh, the fact is, this team has zero depth at that position. And when you're looking to the offseason next year, they absolutely need to replace LaMarcus because Yak will step into the starting role and then somebody will be that, that second reserve big or vice versa. Maybe Yak is better served on the, on the bench, even though he wants to start, better served on the bench like Patty Mills right now or, or Rudy Gay. But uh, for this team, <clears throat> you're not going to get anything of significance back for LaMarcus, especially right now. Maybe if he gets on a heater. But for right now, you're not getting anything for him. Just keep him. The team needs him. Uh, and, and, you know, if you're not going to get a first-rounder for him, then what's the point? You know, I actually think that 
and people say like, oh, I want to free up minutes for somebody else, then to me, you trade Rudy Gay for nothing. I, you know, and that's nothing against Rudy Gay, but Rudy Gay gone, then frees up a spot for more of the cell minutes. It allows Trey Lyles to play more. I think that's where the log jam is. The log jam isn't with LaMarcus. It's with Rudy Gay. A quick note on the Drew Eubanks thing. Um, he is a reaper of souls when it, uh, when it comes to defending the rim. He blocks with such ferocity, and he doesn't care if it's a you know, younger brother of Giannis Antetokounmpo or if it's uh, LeBron James. He is going to bring that same intensity when trying to destroy your shot, knocking it into the, into the, uh, the, the empty arena, the empty seats are in the front row there. Uh, I, I, lo- I love his, en- his enthusiasm when it comes to blocking the ball. And he had a nasty one on LeBron last night. He, he blocked LeBron. He blocked Trez and set up that absolute life-ending yeah. dunk by DeMar DeRozan in transition where he like lost the ball almost and then like half-turned and just crammed it right in Trez's face. Um, How many times did you watch that clip on loop, the, the Harrell harassment clip on loop? Many Many, many, many times. But the thing with, like, I think Drew missed his first four shots in this game and wound up shooting, like, eight times. Um, a little much, but, like, I like the confidence, I guess. And and he showed <laughs> he showed some range, which he hadn't showed in previous years. I, I watched a lot of Drew Eubanks in Austin. I never really saw him shoot outside the paint much. So to, to see him doing that and stretching the floor in his way is cool. Um, and yeah, again, fearlessness against LeBron James. I mean, the, the young guys in this game, you had Yacht guarding AD, you had Keldon Johnson, who's 20, on LeBron. Like, you know, these, these guys are fearless, and I, I love that about them. And, and there's just this competitive edge about this group of young guys on both ends of the floor really. Um, and you love to see it. Uh, and I just want to touch on Kelvin Johnson just for a second. Uh, he is so impressive. He is bulldozing his way to the rim right now. I do believe eventually teams are going to catch up on his game. I think he's kind of, he's a two trick pony, right? He shoots a three or he just tries to bully his way into the paint, the bullying his way into the paint against a team like the Lakers with so much size was a bit of an issue for him. But um, that's, that's just like – I'm very interested to see how that plays out. Obviously, I love so much of Kelvin's game. I was much more impressed with him going Siakam, Zion, LeBron, and like that stretch defensively than anything else that he's, that he's quite honestly ever done. Uh, that's been an amazing development. The one thing I think he needs to add to his game, which I think will – help him become even more of a threat offensively is something that DeMar does so well. And that's his vision when driving, right? DeMar drives and creates. He is such a good, uh, I mean, his ability to pass was something that's been really blossoming uh, or showing itself ever since he came to San Antonio. Uh, Keldon still doesn't quite have the instincts to dish it when he's driving. He is like, I'm driving with a purpose, and he is so slippery in the paint, can maneuver his way in for, for easy layups. He can maneuver his way in for hard layups and challenge bigs at the rim. But I think it's really going to help him when he can drive and dish it out. And he, he sometimes does it, but sometimes, like, against the Lakers, he drove 
into a charge by, by Harrell, I believe. And he was dishing it. He was getting it out uh, to the three-point arc, but he just did it a little bit too late. He, he, like, you know, he got up, you know, saw the shot wasn't there, and then dished it. I think he just needs to be a step ahead of when he's got to go for the basket and when he's got to dish it. I think it'll also help when he starts getting some uh, foul calls because I, f- I feel like on that, half of these drives, he's getting mauled and yeah. just no – and, you know, similar to LeBron, right, where the guy plays so physically and has such a huge body and initiates so much contact that the ref's like, well, I can't call a foul on that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at Keldon's shot chart for the season. Uh, do you want to know how many shots he's taken – outside the uh, painter three-point arc, so mid-range. Two. Zero. <laughs> Nothing outside the paint or – like, I mean, and – I mean, I, I don't hate that because we've been saying for a long time the Spurs need that efficient offense, right? That, that perfect off-ball slashing, spacing, you know, kind of big man, kind of wing – and and Keldon is that. I mean, Keldon is is the real deal. You you said it with his defense, man. This guy, um, you can throw him at guards too, but he's gonna, you know, some of the best, you know, power forward type built guys in the league, um, and no fear. And you said it was his twenty first game, Jackson. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, no, this, this kid is, is really, really good, deserves to be in the starting lineup, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what's next from him. And Lonnie Walker, too. We need to talk about how, how well he's played in the starting lineup, um, you know, spacing the floor, slashing, getting to the rim, finishing at the rim. Like, and he's so, also shown really the vision good. at times that, that we started seeing in the bubble. Yes. Let's use this conversation. Uh, we're talking about Johnson and Walker in the starting lineup to kind of pivot. I know we haven't really d- done a deep dive into the, the Grizzlies, Raptors, and Pelican games. We've hit on a few touchstones there. But uh, I do want to ask you a few questions um, on how perceptions might have changed, uh, your perception might have changed about this team going into the season to what we've seen four games in now, starting with the ideal starting lineup for this team. Who's, who's the five you want in the court to start the games or to finish the games? What's the, the best rotation they can put out there? Uh, I think for me personally, it really depends on the matchup. Like I thought in the Pelicans game at the end, Patty Mills should have been in. Now on one hand, Patty Mills was way too short for the Pelicans. Like that team is, was lengthy and I get it because it's a defensive mismatch, but you know, the Spurs were struggling so much offensively. I thought they needed that three point threat and they needed their best shooter on the court. And Patty's the best shooter right now. Uh, like, you know, DeMar is the best bucket getter. Uh, and while LaMarcus is trying to figure out his stuff, you know, I think Patty is somebody down the stretch that, like, sort of in a Manu role. Uh, obviously, Manu was much better defensively, but um, – and much better, all, all you know, all-around player. But I think for this team, uh, down the stretch, maybe a little bit more Patty Mills than what we're getting right now. Um and then as far as the starting five goes, I mean, I'm f- without Derek White in the picture, I'm totally okay with what we're getting right now uh, with LaMarcus Aldridge in, uh, assuming that he's healthy. 
And by the way, if, if no one knows, it's a knee swelling. It's day to day on LaMarcus. And, um, you know, Pop wasn't taking any chances early in the season. But I'm totally fine with the starting lineups. And uh, I think last night without LaMarcus and Yach moving into the starting lineup, you saw the second unit struggle. And the second unit has been the biggest win for the Spurs, even dating back to last year. Usually that second unit comes in and they thrive. And last night they actually got – they got crushed. the starting unit was better than the second unit. And I think that goes to prove the impact of Yach, even though the guy uh, doesn't play that many minutes or, or, you know, stuffs the stat sheet like others. Yach is so important. Um, and that's why I kind of like Yach in that second unit because – Really, that's where Spurs play catch-up on, on a lot of teams. So I, I'm kind of okay with what I'm seeing right now. So I, I agree that it's sort of situational and matchup dependent. I think, like, for the Lakers, for example, right? Gasol, not a bad matchup for Aldridge. Anthony Davis, you need a bigger guy to guard him. You can play Yak and AD, uh, Yak and LA together against the Lakers because that matchup works. But then... You know, do you, if you got Keldon on LeBron, then you move DeMar to the two, then you've got to probably move Lonnie to the bench, which is, I think, a role that he would excel in, in, in a feature, you know, pick-and-roll ball handler, six-man type role off the bench. Yeah. Um, when, I've, when I've played the uh, Lakers in 2K the, the couple times this week, you know, when I go with the small lineup, it's, it's close. And when, when I go with the big lineup, it's – Obviously, blowout Spurs win. So, uh, per my 2K coaching recommendations, coach, maybe think about it. I don't know. I think Pop uh, needs to adjust the sliders too. You know, boost the three pointers. But <laughs> for for sure. Um, but I I think that overall, when you talk about finishing games, this is something that we've talked about with different guys on the team about how it can be anybody's night on this team, and against the Pelicans, it was Patty's night, right? Did, did he play well against the Pelicans? No, he, he played well against the Raptors. Patty was yeah. almost perfect against the Raptors. He yeah, started he the game eight of eight. Fun. He was nuts. Um, Nobody, but, I think it was Rudy Gay's night with the Pelicans. Yeah. Right. It, it, in any case, you know, you're going to get guys who are hot and you're going to get guys who are, you know, not having it that night. Um, it's it's going to be rare that you're going to be clicking on all cylinders, but at least five of those cylinders should be clicking. And once you get the key defensive matchup set, you mix and match with those other pieces. Um, so I think that bringing Derek White back in, I'm really interested to see what happens there. This is a conversation I was having with a friend of mine about, you know, is he going to start or is he coming off the bench? And we've seen Popovich in the past value continuity, right? Mm-hmm. If something's working in the starting lineup, even if it's not really working in the starting lineup, he prefers keeping that group together so that they can continue to build chemistry and stuff. So depending on how much longer White is out for, uh, and especially if he needs to get his legs under him, stuff like that, um, it might make sense for him to come off the bench and he might stay there. But just because he's coming off the bench doesn't mean he's not going to play 25, 30 minutes. And I think he should. And, yeah, and that's always my point. I think, you know, a lot of people put so much emphasis on starting. Like, in the end, like, to me, it doesn't, I don't care if you start. You need to finish. Like, Derek White doesn't need to start. He needs to finish, you know? 
Like that was Manu, right? Manu never started. He finished. So who gives a crap? If you're going to play a ton of minutes and you don't start, whatever. You know, and I do agree with you coming off of injury. But, you know, I mean, I've said that about Keldon. And then, boom, first game he was starting and he looked great. So, um, you know, when Derek comes back, obviously, um, you know, there are going to be some decisions to be made. I would assume that Lonnie goes to um, – Lonnie goes to the, the second unit, but, you know, I think short-term it's worth checking out if White to uh, the second unit works. First off, we know that White and Yak were great together. Uh, historically, they are just a beautiful duo. So you have that, not to mention Derek can then create for Patty, who can then be off the ball and really exploit his shooting. Uh, and then not to mention if you put – well, I guess Lonnie would be in the starting unit. But, you know, if you have, like, if you were to have a Lonnie in that lineup, or, or Vassell. I mean, Vassell can just worry about the defense. You know, I don't need Vassell right now to be an offensive threat in that, that sort of rotation. Just here's your defensive guy, lock it down, and let, let Derek and Patty and Yach do the, the three-man game, or you know, and then leave Rudy in the corner to kind of work on his stuff. It just – I think that would be a great, a, a great idea. I'm all about it. Uh, I, I appreciate continuity as well. Uh, I, I think at this point in time, you can't take Keldon out of the starting five. Uh, he, he's clearly locked himself in there uh, if he keeps playing like this. Of course, Evan, as you were saying, teams can adjust. This is um, relatively little game film on Keldon Johnson so far. Uh, so they'll, teams will find a way to, to adjust their game on him. Um, I, I love the idea of Derek White and Jakob Pertl uh, in that second unit. And then White, of course, taking on that Manu role. Um, I, fans on you know the Spurs internet hive are, are very high on playing Murray and White together uh, and I think they will get plenty of minutes substantial minutes together this season when White does return uh, but yeah it might not be with the starters uh, for, for, for uh, just uh, for a reference here we've talked a lot about Jakob Pertl and what he brings um, foul trouble last night aside uh, Pertl leads the Spurs in net rating uh, he, he's playing fantastic uh, basketball. He is one of the most efficient offensive rebounders in the NBA as well. Uh, and the Spurs team is one that struggled with rebounding in years past. Um, they're getting a lot of production on the defensive board. So Murray, who kind of has, has a Russell Westbrook-like quality of just absorbing these balls into him like a black hole. Um, and, uh, but Pirtle is, is, is a really important factor for this team. Um, and and I, I do think kind of the, the like you're saying he anchors that second unit and they struggled without him last night so the bubble lineup right what was it it was Dejounte, derek lonnie damar at the four and then yak that lineup that's that small i don't think works with lamarcus aldridge at center because yak is an eraser at the rim so you can have you know size mismatches and things like that on the perimeter if you know you're going to send him to Yak, if you're going to send him to Lamarcus Aldridge, it's not going to go great. I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, primary defender matchup data uh, yeah, from exactly. NBA. It's not great for Lamarcus. So, um, you know, that's the only way that uh, those three young guys get in the starting lineup together. But then that takes Keldon out, and you know. The, at the end of the day, the Spurs have a lot of good players. Whether Lonnie starts or Derek starts, one of them is going to come off the bench probably and play really well in that role. The other one's going to play 
well alongside DeJounte, who's grown as a playmaking point guard, and DeMar DeRozan, who's done the same thing. Um, so, and all of those guys will be able to create and shoot. And, um, you know, it's cool. The, the Spurs are playing really cool basketball and have a really cool uh, roster this year. So, and they're undefeated in their Fiesta jerseys. So, completely undefeated. And we get the Fiesta jerseys uh, next game against the Lakers and the court. Yeah, the Fiesta court. Um, do we want to jump ahead to what's ahead? Or do you guys, uh, is there any other points you want to hit on the prior I think games? we them, uh, you know, and, and we'll continue to, you know, now we'll get into another week, which means more trends will emerge and, and we'll just keep piling on and whatnot. I have one last note uh, from the Memphis game going back to that. Uh, they scored 131 points uh, while only making 10 three-pointers. That is very rare. Um, so I, I, I hate to say the Spurs lucked out a win when they were so ahead that game, but it comes down to points in the paint, penetration, they're doing well. Uh, the Wizards, I believe, were the only team last year to score 130 points on 10, uh, 10 shots in regulation, 10 three-pointers in regulation. And that's because the Spurs were uber-aggressive against the Grizzlies, got to the free-throw line, and you know, as you know, the next night came and the next night came, uh, they have not been getting to the free-throw line as much, uh, especially the disparity against the Pelicans is what – doom them but that is something that i would like to see them get back to which is which is what i thought they were trying to do against the lakers the only problem is the lakers are a the lakers so they're gonna get the benefit of the doubt and b they're huge so it's gonna be tough drawing fouls against them because again the big guys are gonna get benefit of the doubt so do we think aldridge plays uh tomorrow night i lean i lean it i mean but if Pop is being very safe with his knee and it swelled up. I mean, you know, if, if it's an issue, he's going to sit him again. Uh, You know, I don't think it's a long-term deal, but you know, this is, you don't want to bury him at the beginning of the season by pushing him, you know? So I I don't know if it was swelling or if it was just soreness, but uh, Pop said that whatever it is, it's not super serious. Um, I think the Spurs need him. Uh, especially if Trey Lyles isn't going to play. They need that depth. Uh, I think Trey, Trey Lyles could have played, probably should have played a little bit in that loss to the Lakers. Um, but uh, I, I think he will play, and especially if he just has to, you know, try not to give Marcus all too much and, you know, play his role in, in, as the center in the offense, not the center of the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, some, that's a transition I've been waiting for him to make for about two years. No joke. I, I've been waiting for him to really embrace that, you know, the, the Dwight Howardification of his game, right? Mm-hmm. Where you go from the, the post-heavy, you know, I want my touches down there kind of guy to screens and rolls and work off the ball and, you know, be an effective complimentary player. And all credit to him, he's done that. So even with his shooting woes, even with his defensive struggles, I want him on the court for that game, for that matchup specifically. I think Aldridge being back in the game will make a big difference. I also think Wesley Matthews um, not shooting six for six from three will will be good for us as well. Um, The Spurs uh, attacked Montrez uh, to to great effect. Uh, Just keep attacking. Hope those free throws come in. Maybe uh, the – maybe pop getting ejected from this game. Like you said, it turned the tide during the game. Maybe it turns the tide in further games coming forward here. Um, 
I, the Lakers are still the best team in the West, so you got to give them their props. Um, I, I, I do think the Spurs played tremendously well against them, and the shots fell the Lakers' way, uh, and the, the fouls fell their way a little bit there too. Um, I, 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 um, looking forward from that point as well, after the Lakers, the Spurs will end their homestand here against the Utah Jazz uh, before they take off on uh, – their first major road trip of the season, uh, they go to Los Angeles for games against the Clippers and the Lakers. Then they've got a two-game stand in Minnesota, back-to-back against the Timberwolves, wrapping up January 12th at Oklahoma City. Um, guys, it's a wild west out there. Um, all those games could be wins or losses uh, as, as we see things unfold here. Um, what, what, what do you guys expect from the Spurs coming forward here uh, as they head towards that road trip? Uh, you better win the game against the Utah Jazz. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, I don't expect them to beat the Lakers on Friday, and I don't expect them to beat the Clippers in L.A., and I don't expect them to beat the Lakers in L.A. The good news here is that the Lakers are done on January 7th, so get them out of the way. Uh, the Spurs are still looking to, uh, to to figure out a way to beat this team. They, they went 0 for last year, uh, unless the Lakers have an off-night shooting. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off, and, you know, are they going to be able to bring the same type of tenacity and effort that they brought the first night when they got unlucky um, in a sense with just how hot the Lakers were. I don't know, but you got to beat Utah. And if you can steal one, you know, as I said, if you can get two wins in this five game stretch, you would be ecstatic. And then, um, a, you know, you, I think you got to split against the Timberwolves. The Spurs for some reason suck in Minnesota, you know, for whatever reason it is that not only do they lose, they, they usually get crushed. So, uh, I'm expecting a split there. And then you got to beat the Thunder, who look like a stingy, young, scrappy squad of just, you know, Lou Dor- I mean, Dort looks great. Uh, Poku? Our boy Poku Petrini? <laughs> Watch out. Skinny Luca. Skinny Luca. Which Luca? Um, yeah, Skinny so tall I mean, Luca. Yeah. Just, you know, keep your head above water. That's the, that's the theme of the Western Conference, right? You just can't. You can't, you can't go on a huge slide, which is what buried the Spurs last year, where they just went on a stretch of losing like 10 of 12 and got out of hand. So just stay above water. If you're 500, a game under 500, to me, I'm okay with that. It just, you know, it is what it is when you're going through the best teams in the West. The schedule gets better as the year goes on. Just take your lumps now, try to steal one, and make sure you don't lose confidence. Yeah, I, I think it's – obviously it's a, it's a tough stretch of schedule for the Spurs, but I, I also think that they're figuring out exactly what they need to do. So they're, they're doing what they need to do, and they're going to keep getting tested. They're going to keep experiencing growing pains, all of these guys, um, even, even the old ones. <laughs> Uh, they're going to experience growing pains because they're they're trying to grow, right? They're they're a year into this. Well, you know, if if you want to call the bubble the start of the renaissance, right? They're they're still very early on here. Yeah. They're you know what, twelve games into it, right? Uh, and adding in some new players and and you know, figuring things out. So. I, I'm excited for that Lakers game, or I, I'm I'm excited for 
the coming Lakers game, and I'm excited for the Clippers game. I want to see Keldon on Kawhi. I want to see that. Keldon, who, you know, let's, let's not forget, was traded for Kawhi and kind of molded his game after Kawhi, looked up to Kawhi. So uh, that is something I'm really excited about. And then I'm also excited to see uh, what a uh, center who's worth $27 million over three years looks like against a center who's worth $205 million over five years <laughs> in the Utah game. That should be fun. Um, the Keldon Kawhi matchup um, reminds me of in Revenge of the Sith when we finally got Anakin Skywalker against Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and the battle forced Anakin fully to the Darth side and then Darth Vader was unleashed and Darth Vader just wreaks havoc. You go watch the end of Rogue One if you need a reminder as to how cool Darth Vader was. Evilly cool. I want Keldon Johnson to be Darth Vader after the Kawhi matchup. That's what I'm hoping for. We'll see if it comes to fruition. Um, I, can we say, uh, did you guys see Kawhi Leonard in the mask last night? Yeah. Yes. Uh, all Hannibal lectured out there. <laughs> it was yeah, weird. And, uh, and Kawhi made a funny joke in the post game. He says, Sur- Surge is on the block. They're looking to trade him after Surge <laughs> completely punched him in the face. Tampering. And, and then he laughed, yeah. right? Was, uh, 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 uh. You got to do the Kevin Hart version of it. <laughs> Uh, so let's let's take a picture around the league now because we're a week into the season now, five games in for some teams. Uh, any Anything emerged to you guys? Any performances that you want to <coughs> highlight here uh, from this fledgling season? Um, I, I'll, I'll focus mostly on the Western Conference, but I want to say this. The Knicks, who probably are not going to make the postseason, they look like a fun team to watch this year. Things are happening there. They're, it's not It's not great, but – New York is coming back, and I haven't said that forever. I like what they're building there. But, um, you know, overall, I think the Phoenix Suns are a team that we were high on preseason. They're living up to the billing right now. I think Dallas is a team that preseason we were all in on. Luka is going to be the MVP. I said that, and they're not living up to the billing. Sure, they completely set an NBA record against the Clippers, uh, leading like 77 to 22 at halftime, whatever the hell it was. But um, then they get blown out by the Hornets at home on just a, a, an immaculate court, by the way. Um, Denver is a team that I'm scared for. Denver uh, lost a couple of pieces in the offseason, and they are figuring out how to be a defensive team without them. I think they underestimated their abilities of, of what they provided defensively more than anything, and they are trying to figure things out. Uh, Jokic is amazing. Jamal Murray continues to be like the DeJounte Murray for the Spurs where, you know, when he's amazing, you love him. And then some nights he just doesn't have it. Um, the Rockets, I haven't really had a good opinion on. Uh, they're 0-2, but, you know, tons of uh, COVID cases and contact tracing and whatnot. And then, and then finally, um, uh, two other teams I want to mention, sorry. Uh, Portland, uh, the jury is still out on them. Lot, a lot, a lot of hype before the season. I think defensively, they need to figure their stuff out. Zach Collins injured for an indefinite amount of time. That's sad for them. And then uh, the other team is Memphis. Uh, John Morant out three to five weeks. Uh, the Spurs played Memphis right smack dab in the middle of that three to five weeks. So Morant could return for the first time against the Spurs, or they could just miss him. But regardless, 
Memphis does not look like this scary team that we all thought they were going to be to begin the season. Uh, Morant does. Morant looked amazing. But without Morant, uh, I expect the Grizzlies to be kind of back to what they were before last season. And, uh, and for all those fans who hated the Lucas Shamanich pick over Brandon Clark, go watch Brandon Clark's mechanics right now. I don't know what happened, but whoever the coach is that's telling him to shoot like that needs to get fired immediately. Yeah, um, I, th- I feel bad for Clark because, like, his shot looked better last year. Right. And it, it is serious regression. I kind of hope for his sake that it gets better. I, I hope for the Spurs' sake it doesn't, I guess. But, yeah, the Grizzlies don't scare me. The Rockets don't scare me, really. Um, like, I, I don't see that – no. Say again. Christian Wood, he's impressive. Yeah, oh yeah, he's good. He's, he's quite good. Uh, I don't know what the f- he's doing, letting him go and then signing like three other guys who don't even match his skills. <laughs> like bizarre, tr- truly bizarre uh, what they did. Um, that, that Clippers game, I was howling. I mean, that was... I've never seen a 50-point game at halftime. That was quite something. I don't think the Kings are legit, but I think the Suns are legit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Suns, Suns I would be – I think the Suns are going to wind up with a guaranteed playoff spot. I think the Warriors are not. I think the Timberwolves are not. I think the Pelicans are certainly a team that the Spurs are going to be sort of on par with, but – Honestly, this might be like my hot take, but give me the Spurs' entire young core over the Pelicans' entire young core. Wow. Including Zion? I think so. Oh. I will say this. The Pel- you mentioned the Pelicans, and Stan Van Gundy will even tell you that you know they don't look good. They don't. And he, he mentioned, he's like, the only game that they didn't really turn the ball over a million times was against the Spurs. Like, that was, their, that was the Pelicans' best game of their season, they got a lot of kids to work out and um, they, they overall are not, you know, Zion hype makes the Pelicans, you know, what they are, but it's, um, they're, they they got a lot, they got a lot of figuring out to do. I know Van Gundy is going to have those guys playing defense, but like the, the offense has been ugly. Like when I when I watch the Pelicans play, I see a lot of this on offense. Like yeah. very and like you know, directing traffic is fine, but it's not directing traffic like an authoritative like. Okay, this is what we're gonna do. It's like no, what do you get over there? Like they they don't know where they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to be doing with each other right now. Um, and the Spurs need to take advantage and win games while the Pelicans are still figuring that out because they have a talented team. You know, Lonzo's a good player. Brandon Ingram could be a great player. Uh, Zion is, you know, I mean, we just need to figure out what Chonky's deal is, but he's, he's going to be a good NBA player. Like, even if like, you know, he's just full of gumbo, he's going to give you, he's going to give you a double, double and good passes. And like, you know, he, even if you hold him to to 
a bad shooting night, you'll be like, damn, he was, he was still effective. Um, so, but I, they're one of the teams that the Spurs are going to need to try to beat out for, for that playoff spot. So I, I think if the Spurs keep playing this way, they will be a, a playoff team in the West. I definitely think they're in contention for one of those six, seven, eight seeds. And of course the play in game this year, the play in tournament thing they're doing this year is going to help them out in that regard. Um, I, I, the West is still the West where any team can beat anyone, right? You know, we saw the Mavericks blow out the Clippers and then the Clippers go out and blow out the trailblazers who blew, who beat the Lakers the night before. And the Mavericks go on to lose the Hornets. You know, it's just, it's an up and down kind of thing for this, for the West here. Um, I give it a few more weeks to, to see how things play out, but I, I still think the the playoffs are going to run through LA. Um, either LA team, honestly, at this point in time, I, I love the Suns team. I think honestly, looking at the um, the off season and how things went, uh, if Chris Paul wasn't the most important pickup for a team, Dano Gallinari might have been. This Hawks team, uh, he's looked great for Hawks them. Hawks are good. Um, they're going to score 180 really points good. at some point in time this season. Like they're going to end up being one of the highest scoring teams in the league. Um, yeah. Trey Young is pretty darn good. Um, I know all of the the Trey Young apologists, the um, the people who are on the, the side of the the Hawks fans who want to forget the Doncic trade were kind of uh, smiling a little bit last night watching Doncic on the bench struggling. I mean, Doncic's early struggles just kind of point to a little bit of the whole. Um, you know, what happens when the preseason is so short and players don't get the ability to to, to work into. Uh, their normal rotation, the normal training, the normal off-season training, the normal preseason training. There's a couple of guys who are still trying to figure it out, like Doncic is. And I mean, we've seen it historically. There are players who do that every season. Aldridge is a guy who kind of has that knock on him, where it takes him a month or two to get going. Um, and maybe Doncic is going to be like that. I doubt it. I think this is an aberration. But um, I, we, there's a lot of season ahead of us. I think the season is going to move really fast um, because it is a shortened season. There are you know, they're condensing things a little bit. Um, they're keeping teams in towns too. So we're going to knock out these Lakers games here pretty quickly. We're going to knock out a few against the Timberwolves and we're going to be looking back and be like, man, I don't know where the season went. Um, and my last point here, I guess, uh, I, is James Wiseman the best player in, from this draft? Um, that dude is a freak of nature. Um, and I can't believe the Warriors got him. I know the Warriors have a lot of things to figure out, but um, dude's running the court. Um, block was it a play? I can't remember who it was against, but the Warriors. Uh, he blocked on one end, took the ball ninety feet, and uh, slammed it down on the other end. Uh, he's an impressive guy. I don't, that guy I don't know. can. He he's good. He's uh, it's it's making more and more sense why the Warriors didn't seem to want to trade uh, him for anybody. Uh, it also on makes the Spurs. sense why the Spurs were rumored to be very interested in Wiseman because I think he fits in. Like if you had Wiseman and Yak as your one and two, like you're set. I think I, like you're, you're defensively pretty set right there in the middle. And, you know, obviously LMA would have been out of the picture if you make a deal like that. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't know if he's the top guy. For, like, I don't know if he's going to win rookie of the year, yeah. but he's, you know, for a guy that's played like, you know, two, two games in like, you know, since graduating high school, uh, he looks like a, a budding star and, you know, somebody who will probably be an all-star one day um, when he develops a, a little bit more. I mean, the, the top three picks have looked pretty good. Edwards has been productive. Um, LaMelo Ball has already thrown some of the crazier passes that I've seen. 
Um, hey, Mike, Tyrese Halliburton, by the way, looking great with the Kings. Yep. Yeah, I, I watched Halliburton defend a, a screen and roll with Jokic, and he switched on it, denied ball, and wound up forcing a turnover. And, you know, I'm sure he would have been a great spur if they had taken him. But I'm glad they took Vassell. I'm glad they went with the positional need. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, Kings, the Kings might compete for, you know, one of those last playoff spots. They're not going to be a three seed for much longer, I don't think. Um, but uh, just two very quick Eastern Conference observations from my hometowns over there. Uh, the Nets, I mean, even with Dinwiddie down, they are good. And Kevin yep. Durant looks like Kevin Durant. I mean, that's dope. Love to see yeah. that. I'm, I'm so glad that he's back doing his thing. Um, I saw somebody say, like, you know, how long until Kevin Durant supplants uh, Giannis as the best player in the East? And somebody said he already did that when he came back healthy. Yeah. Um, and I kind of agree. I mean, he's That's just awesome. so good. And then the, the uh, Celtics, the Celtics I too. I love the Celtics this year. I just want to say quickly, oh, mention KD. Vince Carter did his first detail on KD. Uh, for mm. any of you basketball nerds out there uh, with an ESPN Plus account, let it rip. It's good stuff. Okay, I'll have to. And we'll have all the details on this next run for the Spurs here uh, on the next episode of the Big Fundamental Podcast. How's that for a transition? Boom. There we go. Be sure to follow us at Big Fun Pod on Twitter. Tom Petrini and I are tweeting from that account during the games. That's at Real Tom Petrini as well. He's a fun follow. Uh, at Evan Klosky down there. And Evan will have all of your uh, coverage on TV, on the TV set as well, doing uh, some, some great breakdowns uh, there. And I'm at Jackson Floyd. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm at Jackson Kins 5. And, and I've proven this week that I can trend. I can trend as long as Tom Petrini retweets me. Um, I've had I've had two two very nice tweets. So uh, I'm I'm proud of you, Jackson. I'm proud of you, buddy. Once once you stop forgetting your own name, you'll be just right on top of this Twitter I thing. I think that's, that's the next step for Jackson, really, in his development. All right, remember the name, and then it's blue check. There's no in between, right? Yeah. Well, then you, you have a hundred percent reason. You remember the name, then you got to spell the name, and it's tough. Because the first letter of your name is capitalized and the rest aren't. So we'll, we'll break that down for you. Maybe I just need to change my handle. I'm, I'm going to start over. Clean slate. Um, but anyways, uh, thank you guys for listening. Have a happy new year. And uh, we'll see you on the other side.